Hello, my beautiful friends. So I wanted to do the vlog that I promised on chronic illness. Actually, this episode on chronic illness. So what is that? Chronic illnesses or illnesses that are basically uh, invisible to most people because we look like the average person in the only the difference thing is that inside our bodies are a hot mess um, and for various reasons so have mine started as an adult but you can start having symptoms younger and it's quite a journey to get these answers and figure out what's going on and to go through the dealing with it. it's like a sort of grief like grieving the loss of these body um for certain things that you do it's a little bit of a little bit of loss there in accepting that okay this is my reality now and how to make the best of it. And with some chronic illnesses, it can get so rough that it just, it doesn't seem like it's ever gonna get better, but it does. So one of my chronic illnesses is gastroparesis. And what that is, is that the stomach is partially paralyzed. It's people are gonna be completely paralyzed. Um, and it is, also in the category of motility disorders. So these, this um, disorder um, can go through your entire, uh, your entire digestive system tract, I should say digestive tract can be affected. Uh, so in my case, I'm not 100% sure. I have a few ideas of what caused it. Um, but, I always had issues for many years with getting full kind of quickly with eating, but it was so few and far between. And then there was a few times where it was more close together when these episodes would happen that I started wondering if, if there is a, a cause for this. I was like, is this right? I, I don't know. Um, and you know, I didn't see it. It's like a hindsight 2020 kind of thing. Now that I was showing early symptoms then. Um, so it's a progressive, you know, everybody's different with the disease. You know, some people have very mildly and some people have it on the opposite end, you know, it affects everybody differently. Uh, in my case, um, before I got diagnosed, uh, it was originally thought to be my gallbladder and it should have helped with the symptoms as soon as my gallbladder came out but i still had the same symptoms and the same issues and i felt like i couldn't eat anything like everything just made me nauseous and um so the next step was to do a ct abdomen and pelvis with contrast and i had to drink it but I couldn't drink, I couldn't even drink a quarter of it. And I just took it to the nurse, I'm like, I can't do this. 
like if I even tried, I would have thrown it all up. And um, so she's like, okay, we'll take what we can get. And uh, they give me IV contrast at the same time when I was in the machine. And they're like, well, everything looks good um, from what we can see. And they noted I couldn't drink all the contrast. And uh, like that was the gastroparesis. So the next step in this process, which be June, it'll be one year since I've been diagnosed in just last month. I um, had a gastric emptying study. And there's different ones. There are different lengths. I had a two-hour study, I believe. And I wasn't a big egg person, which is what they prefer. Um, I could do oatmeal. And I remember eating the oatmeal and then having to lie flat on this machine. And uh, there was a TV in there. And the guy was kind of funky, odd, interesting dude, and let me pick a movie, so I picked one of the Indiana Jones movies, and uh, I had this screen where I could see the radioactive, the tracer that was mixed in with the oatmeal, and so you could see where exactly my stomach was, and then where it, it, the end of it was, and the oatmeal was being digested, so my stomach is lit up orange, is orange, and... I was trying to like do things like with my phone and I would keep looking back at it. And I remember like as we're getting past, I'm like, it still looks like full. And I kind of started seeing the little orange flecks scattering out a bit. But it didn't look much different than from when it started um, to when it finished. And I followed up with my GI or my gastroenterologist. Um, uh, but I think about a week later, and he said, you have a uh, very significant delayed gastric emptying, which is gastroparesis, which was his next diagnosis. He had basically kind of said, if this test comes back negative, the, the gastric emptying study, then I'm not sure where we're going to go from here. And it just happened being... So all of a sudden, I was starting to learn about this. And at this point, I lost a lot of weight. So I was probably 90-something pounds in December around Christmas. And by the time that this point gets around, um, I'm still hanging in the 90s, but it's the low 90s. So he said, well, you can manage this all by diet. So... I went in, but I had developed at this point a really scary fear of food that anything I ate would make me sick. So I didn't know what was safe to eat. Like, I didn't know what. I forgot to relearn all the things that I liked and everything I thought that I knew that I had body liked, my stomach liked in previous. All of a sudden it was like, nope, you don't like that anymore. So some of the things I haven't been able to eat since are pizza because... With gastroparesis, you can get or develop some lactose intolerance, which I definitely have. Um, so I, it was completely overwhelming. Just like, what do I do? Because normally everything I have pantry I could eat, but now I look at my pantry and I was like, 
what of this can I eat? And um, so it was overwhelming. You just you don't know what to think. You just you're like, well, what am I supposed to do now? And I just started creating it. I call it the safety bubble um, of foods that I knew did not make me nauseous or cause bloating or distension. And I would eat those foods and only eat those foods. And they started having me track. And so I used the MyFitnessPal app. And I tracked it for a while. I went, came back in. At this point, I was still losing weight. And my doctor, he's kind of, can be brutally honest, he was going over my uh, like little dietary thing. And he's like, okay, well, this day was a good day. This day was total crap. Um, you did not get anywhere near enough calories to sustain you. And uh, it sort of came about calories and needing these calories to sustain myself. And it was like something I didn't think about. I just, you know, it's one of those things that changes before you kind of just, you eat whatever and you kind of don't think about it. Yeah, it's my world. And now it was like flip where it's like, oh, I can eat whatever, but I have to make sure it's having a good caloric impact and I can tolerate it. And I, I walked away from cooking for a while, I love cooking. So it's starting to affect my life in other ways. It's also putting a strain on my relationships with my family, uh, especially my parents and my sister, but most definitely my parents. And prior to this, I thought the biggest issue, I was the medical issue I was dealing with, and I called a chronic illness as well, was dealing with POTS and two, or the thing is called SPT and AFib. And I had really kind of figured that out and said, okay, I got this, I got this. And then this comes. And um, I was just like, I didn't know what to do. I was definitely lost. I feel like I was had to re-find myself. And I went to this, started going to therapy and this therapist and I, it didn't help. It made me just feel horrible about myself. And I felt like worthless. And I was like, all right, therapy is supposed to be helpful. I do not find this helpful. Every time I would basically go in there, she would catastrophize everything. And it was like, I can do that pretty well on my own. Thank you. I don't need your help. And my mom, I got my parents to come sit in there and she just told them all these things that, that I had until this day. My mom is still convinced of those. And I've been trying to untrain that because I went to a different therapist. I knew I couldn't because it would take me so long to undo all the things that she did uh, during each session. And I knew I wanted to get better mentally, but I knew the route that she was wanting me to take wasn't the right route for me. Like, it didn't feel like it. And I admitted, I said, I, I have an actual physical disorder that prevents me from being able to actually eat like a normal person and get in the normal amount of calories like a normal person. And I do have anxiety. But I do not have an eating disorder in a sense sense you know 
since it's a whole disorder, it's, I don't know, firm in that, and high my panic attacks were getting worse at this point, and I was just spiraling in terms of my mental and just coping and dealing, and uh, um, at this point, I've been talking, I just have been thinking about that I'm at the point where I need a feeding tube. It's at the point where I feel like I'm just, I need help and I'm overwhelmed. I think like I just need my mind a break and my body a break to just help it out. I think I knew it was past the point where me doing oral, anything orally was going to make any, any kind of impact. And um, it was something I thought about, and I thought about it for a while. And then I was like, I just knew. And I called and said, just set, set up the procedures, but you understand the deal is, is if we go through with this, I'm admitting you. And I said, yeah, okay, that's fine. And I went in on in September uh, 21st of 2018 and outpatient and interventional radiology. And I had my first tube placed, they call it a GJ Dangler. And then I went through a whole other mental journey of one of the longest day in the hospital so far, which was a week. And dealing with this whole life of figuring out a feeding tube. And like in my mind before I thought this, it's not the end all be all solution, but it could really help in the long term get my body back on track where it needs to be and I'll need to be able to, to take a step back and focus more on any kind of aversions I'm having and work through those and not think I'm constantly against the clock with malnutrition. You know, at least I have something that's helping get nutrients in my body. Um, and uh, that's what I needed to do because I remember just seeing myself so skinny in the mirror and like, I was like, I can't feel like this. My clothes don't fit. Nothing fits. I'm freezing cold all the time. Um, I was starting to lose my hair a little bit. So um, the day I checked into the hospital, I was 39, no, I was like 87 pounds. It was a lowest weight. And they drew pre-operative blood work. And uh, I come to find out that lab work was really bad. I was diagnosed with uh, specifically severe malnutrition. Um, and I forget the entire term for it, but if I, if I find it, I'll mention it in like a later vlog episode. Um, and malnourished. And it's like at those labs, and it's like, you know, in your gut about something. So that I knew that my body was literally at the point where it was soft to survive and sustain me. And I knew it was at that point because my heart problems were flaring up really bad and it was getting harder and harder and harder to um, 
control them and like my body was just like at its wit's end and it was just uh, one of the hardest choices I've had to make so far um but like one of the choices I felt like term I it saved my life but yeah I mean it was an easy road and it's not an easy road living with it but it's worth it because it, it really does it saves your life and it gives you life and I'm almost certain I would not be here if it wasn't for making that decision it wasn't anybody else's decision but my decision and it felt like it was the right decision even though it was extremely hard um, but, but I was like you know what? I can do this and I can get through it but then you you know by positive puppies and it kind of dissipates after a while because you start going circles in the hospital and it gets frustrating because all of a sudden after all this time without any adequate nutrition um, and then reintroducing formula your body is kind of like chocolate whoa what just happened and so the first formula that I tried was called Jevity 1.5 and it is has fiber in it so you realized then I do not tolerate things with a lot of fiber in them or formulas especially formulas with fiber in them so um, like they kept trying I kept freaking out in terms of panicking at this point I was also having issues getting my other medications adjusted so that I could get them when I needed them and at the right uh, appropriate times and I was also learning about maintenance so nobody really taught me how to use the pump I figured it out from watching the nurses and um, oh, all the weird feelings and the things nobody tells you when you're recovering so uh, if you guys want to know about that the things no one tells you about when you're recovering from uh, getting a feeding tube I'll gladly make that one but I'll say one of them is when you're really malnourished you are constipated for sure especially when you have dysmotility in your stomach and your intestines and then you have all kinds of IV fluids on top of they just start um, the formula your stomach feels like a water balloon like you're just your guts feel like a water balloon and then things start coming out I remember being so weak at that point um, that I was actually having to use they call them uh, a potty chair or toilet chair because I I would stand up and almost faint like my pots was super severely bad at that point I was could not take a shower go to the bathroom without a aide or a nurse uh, being there to watch me and like grab onto me um, you know I can fix my body and strip down to bare bones and it was really like, rebuilding it from the ground up and um, 
eventually they came on the osmolite and I was fighting my brain that was still in panic mode. I was, you know, fighting myself, as you could say. And I just was like, all in my mind, okay, all these formulas are all going to make me sick. And I said, I'm just, just going to have to. And he says to me, and I don't know if it's my vision, but he said, you want to get home to your dog bear? And I was like, yes, more than anything. I've missed him so much and Chester, my cat, so much. And um, my family, being able to be home with them. And I did a job with my mom. And I just remember I woke up crying. And I remember getting into this dark place, this place that it was depression off the deep end. Like my mind, it was the scariest probably moment is, is when my mind was like, uh, in this place of this is miserable and this isn't work and I'm just sick and weak all the time and I don't want to do this I'm stuck in these four walls and I'm going crazy and like this darkness over me I'm just feeling like I don't want to do this anymore I'm done And I feel like, to be honest, and to be honest here, that if continued, it would have escalated into some kind of self-harm thing. I heard because that is how dark the feeling was. I just, I felt like I, that, that was it. I was, that was like, and I just remember like, oh, I'm, I'm really scared of myself right now, and I don't want to be in this situation. And we're saying, well, just, you know what? It's over today. We'll just work on getting through to tomorrow. And just focus on that. And I couldn't sleep. Bed and... How I got through, I just prayed. My faith is really strong, but I just prayed. Say, God, you have to get me through tonight. I can't do it by myself. And I fell asleep and I woke up and they came in with the osmolite and they started running it and I felt different. Um, I actually felt these pops of energy, which he said, you probably won't feel that for a few weeks. But I was like up and about. I was a different person. And I was still weak. Um, I had a portable telemetry monitor on so the nurses could see in the hallway. And um, if I like, stood up, my heart rate would take off. And somebody come in and go, they just sound such a heart rate. I was like, at this rate, I, I'm feeling. Um, and uh, so, after, I mean, yes, it helped them pick up. I was having these high heart rates, but I was getting so annoyed with this bulky thing uh, hanging around my neck um, and things turn around so I started learning about rates and my goal rate meeting with this wonderful this lady that kind of helps get you set up with this and really explains to you the different types of formula and 
rate and like what to expect and she said usually you gain like about a pound a week so i think that kind of varies body to body um but how to argue with our yeah getting established with my wonderful home health um nurse robin she is no longer my home health nurse now but uh, we still keep in contact she's awesome and um dealing with i don't know if i should say the name of the uh durable medical equipment company that provided my iv pole my pump and my bags syringes clamps all that stuff um i'll go over uh, what's uh <laughs> to be used or at least this to be and uh kind of needed the iv pole because i didn't have the backpack so they ended up delivering the whole spiel to my hospital and um we take it home with us like it just charged and i come and she comes in and she um her name is robin she just immediately she starts talking to me about the bags and her recommendations she takes my vitals she asks me not just physically what's going on emotionally like the whole picture and just encouraging me to journal and do art therapy and um she would bring little treats i mean them treats she worked out of my first clog attacks and but she had a clog in the tube someone's from it just builds up in there and i was freaking out like a, because the first time when i really didn't know any better they're like oh well you have to get the tube replaced not always the case but ended up being king's clogged out of place um so either way it had to go um so, and then i i found a support group on facebook for gastroparesis and for feeding tube awareness and i've learned from a lot from the people that have been going this longer than me and things that worked for them and things that totally sucked and things that um that they're going through and um, i can kind of see this better they'll will do really good and they won't be doing so hot and there's some there's other conditions on top of that um so that factor into how you function on a day-to-day -day basis so after that and i remember that was one thing that annoyed me and i wanted to touch back on this was this first therapist i saw said well so how long can you possibly have the tube in and then take it out and then they wanted me to like consider this like inpatient thing I kept in my mind honestly like how dare you like those two it's gonna save my life and it's in my body as long as it needs to be in my body and that's the end of that and even my doctors were like is she crazy does not work like that and now um, about that what's the minimum amount of time and I was like what do you think this is because apparently in some places a lot of places if you're going in as an eating disorder patient and you they if you have a feeding tube prior they will not let you come in with it um part of i guess running through is not being relying on the tube but in my case it was necessary so 
I knew like I could do this. I knew exactly who I was and what I had and what I didn't have. And uh, that's what I ended up meeting my next uh, part of things, which will be part two of chronic illness, um, which is the uh, mental health part of things. Um, so I cap off my other chronic illnesses that I deal with. I deal with migraines and uh, POTS, which is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Um, but I also have AFib and SVT. I did have cardiac ablation surgery um, oh, in 2012 and 2013. And there was a question about POTS. I've actually had a tilt table test, but I didn't pass out or do anything that was like conducive to a POTS diagnosis. I ticked every box and I recently asked your, my cardiologist, he's like one of the head of cardio at the hospital um, that my doctors are at and he's like, no, but yeah, it's POTS. <laughs> and um, they kind of already knew, but um, things was like, I addressed and she said to me, you know, um, to be miserable because my entire life, I thought if I ever Take anything that could calm me down from a manic attack, that you would get addicted to it, and it would just lay down a road of more dangerous things. And that the only way to deal with them was to ride through them and go through them, and that that's like how it was supposed to be. And I was like, just miserable and I was like but they get addicted she's just necessarily so she shows me this book and she kind of explains and um like the mechanism and she's like the reason is is that some people since like Xanax and things Xanax and things like that um there's a different kind of medicines you need because it literally helps you function day to day and then medicine like you abuse like people will take it that don't actually need it you know you've heard there's this trend of people doing prescription drugs and it's like farm party things and um, like they basically they abuse it so there's all these labels and things around it. Um, so the one that I take, um, um, and it's a law for almost almost a lot of medications, but especially the one I'm on now, which is called Lorazepam. And um, it has helped, I was nervous at first, but it has helped me to calm down and, and has made, and so I do give any attacks, has made them better to the point where I can sort of tell, okay, this is one where I might need some help from it, the medicine, but this is one I think I can write it on my own. Um, and um, so I literally, um, and it's, I think it's just, it's helped me a lot in more than one ways. So 
I'm going to use it when I think that um, I use it when it's necessary. Um, and obviously, I try not to uh, do it the best I can, but it's okay not if you can't, like, to help. It's okay. So, um, and I'm already pretty particular, picky, um, be put on medication anyway. So, I just wanted to know because it's my one biggest fear. And... So she kind of explained it to me in a way that made sense. Um, you know, whatever you do, it's, you know, it's between you and your doctor, um, your psychiatrist and your psychologist, like what you do, you, different things work for different people. And for me, like finding that balance, but been focusing a lot more on like cognitive behavioral therapy and kind of going back at feelings I still had about my past, addressing them, uh, how that they might be sort of projected into the way I react about things now in the present. Um, so I will explain some of that later on in part two, but I'm going to end it here. So if you have any questions about chronic illness or if you have a chronic illness, uh, yourself and you um, would like to share, I think would I I in wholly encourage and welcome you to just stop raise awareness of this and um, this in the community and um, this, this community that we're a part of into that um, We're everywhere, <laughs> and um, we never let it stop us ever. If anything, it motivates us to push harder and go farther. So, this is it for part one. I will talk to you, my friends, later. Have a blessed day or good evening, whichever time you're. You're listening to this. Bye.